Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of Our Heart for Teaching. I'm so excited for all of the guests that we're going to have lined up for the next 11 episodes, so thank you so much for listening. In this episode of Our Heart for Teaching, I speak with Dave Burgess about the deep, dark secret of education, and also about how he came to make Teach Like a Pirate. Dave is the New York Times best-selling author of Teach Like a Pirate and the president of Dave Burgess Consulting Incorporated. He was an award-winning teacher for 17 years and currently resides in San Diego, California. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. Tonight I'm so excited to be joined by Dave Burgess. Hi Dave, how are you tonight? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is super exciting. So I'm so excited to get to hear more of your story because you were actually the person when I started figuring out what PLNs were and what Twitter was that you were, I was like, oh, this whole idea of teach like a pirate. So you are like, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. This is super awesome. So really excited. Um, would you please start by telling our listeners, because I know there are some people like me who have probably never heard of you before, because um, I had never heard of you before in EdCamp, where I learned about your work and have since been very excited about that. But there are others like me who have never heard of you and don't know what you do. So can you introduce and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dave Burgess. I'm from San Diego, California. And I was a teacher for 17 years at West Hills High School, a basketball coach a little bit before that. And uh, while there, I started doing professional development workshops and ended up writing this little book that was called Teach Like a Pirate. And so I'm the author and publisher of Teach Like a Pirate. And now I'm also the president of Dave Burgess Consulting Incorporated, which publishes education, professional development books from educators all over the world. We publish over 150 books. And uh, I do professional development workshops and seminars, keynotes and things like that too on the Teach Like a Pirate message. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much. And like I said, this is super exciting to get to talk with you. So I'm excited to get to hear more about the early days before you've become famous in education world. So my podcast is all about talking about our why and what we decided, like how did we even decide to become an educator in the first place? So could you tell us a little bit about that journey? What made you wanna be a teacher? Yeah, so my gateway drug into teaching was as a basketball coach. And so the, the first job I ever had as human being, I worked three summers for John Wooden at the John Wooden basketball camps in Thousand Oaks, California, and got to work with so one of the greatest teachers, basketball coaches of all time, John Wooden, at a formative time in my life. Uh, so he influenced me greatly and ended up getting my first job in education is I got a job at a high school as a high school basketball coach. And I loved working with the kids so much in what in the extracurricular at basketball after school that I decided I want to do this all day, went back to night school, got my teacher credential and became a teacher, eventually left the coaching behind and just focused in on the teaching. But so that's how it kind of all started for me is I loved working with young people and that kind of relationship building that you can do with young people, that mightier purpose of being an educator, I call it, having that life-changing impact on um, our students. And I was having so much uh, fulfillment and joy doing that as a basketball coach. I wanted to do it as a career. I love that. I love that. And when you started thinking about I want to do this as a career. Did you always have high school in mind? Was that always like, you're mine, you're my age group? Like, 
it kind of worked out that way because of, uh, you know, it tied into the coaching. I got ended up getting a teaching job at the same school that I was coaching at, but I've also worked with different levels. Like I um, did some of my early observation work and some of my volunteer work in elementary schools. I actually, for a little while, taught chess as a uh, um, in-school like an instructor coming into class to teach chess in the chess in schools program at two different elementary schools for a while. Um, and so I worked with some different age uh, students, but high school was through the coaching kind of was what was the natural spot for me to go. I like that. And I like that you're calling it life changing. When did you first realize that you were actually beginning to change the lives of these students you got to work with? Yeah, so I think it became quickly apparent that what was most important was not the score on the scoreboard at the end of the game, uh, wasn't the that the students knew how to set a screen or do a jump stop or maybe learn some history standard, but the most important thing is that they're becoming better human beings and that you were kind of empowering them and helping them reach their full potential. And so that was a big, like a paradigm shift for me is when you start to see this mightier purpose of being an educator that you that we are in this life-changing business and the content standards and all that, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what we actually do. And below the surface is where that really cool character building and development stuff comes. I love that. And I'm going to get into that some more because I want to hear a little bit more. And I like the life changing because that's one of my big things that I try to focus on with my kids. It's like, sure, I teach you reading, but that's only like a part of it. That's not like my big why. Um, so when you were a student, did you actually like school growing up or how was that for you? Or was it just so had, basketball? Yeah. So I kind of a unique experience in school, maybe not unique. Maybe a lot of people are like this, but I was, um, I was a student who was very good at school and I was successful in school, but I was also bored in school. And oh, yeah. so I spent a lot of time just kind of jumping through the hoops, checking the boxes and doing everything that I needed to do to get my grade. And I got my grade and I was very good at getting my grade, but I wasn't really feeling um, challenged, nor was I feeling like I was excited about coming to school every day for the learning. I was excited to come to school to be with my friends and all that. Right. But the, as far as the um, education component of it, I wasn't really um you know, ramped up about it. And so that was one of the things that I vowed when I became a teacher is that um, kids are not going to be bored in my class. We're going to get students fired up about learning, get them excited to be here and um, desperate to come back the next day and really want to be a part of the learning experience. And so that was part of uh, part of my why is, is that I didn't want students to be to go through school like I went through school, even if they were successful in some cases, um, you know, I was successful, but still just not that excited about it. I had a lot of that too. And that's what I always have to remind myself when I see the kids be social and I'm like, you were like that too. It was, it was all about your friends. You didn't care about the academics because they, you know, like you say, you were bored, like, and not having that challenge. And it wasn't, you wanted to come back so that you could like get that next exciting history lesson or, you know, right. it was your friends. So is that kind of what led you into, because you have Teach Like a Pirate, and you said you wanted it to be exciting. Can you talk to us about what did you start to do? How did you decide that, okay, I'm going to make this interesting? And you taught history? Primarily, I was a history teacher, the high school level, okay. primarily U.S. history, so juniors in high school, 16, 17 years old. 
And I was teaching a reasonably uh, tough population of students. And I always tell people that, it, you know, when at the end of the year, when the, you see the students stand up and they give the graduation speech, right? I don't recognize any of those kids. <laughs> like the, Those are not my people. They were not in my class, right? All right? And so I was teaching students who were either maybe behavior problems in their other classes. Maybe they were apathetic. Um, I was the primary teacher of special education students who were being mainstreamed in my classroom as the least restrictive environment. Right. And then so we'd take all three of those groups of students, mix them together, and that would be what I was teaching in room SS9. And so some of this stuff was a, was a matter of survival. As I had to find a way to get these students excited about learning, um, or I was probably going to burn out. And a lot of my strategies, I tell people, hey, yes, this is good for the students. Yes, this is going to make school fun for students. Yes, it's going to help you have students learn the content and be more excited about their education. But it's also for you. Like when I see the way some teachers teach, I, I, I wouldn't want to come to school and teach like that every day. Like I would be bored. And so a lot of this stuff is also, it's good for the teacher. It's fulfilling. It's, you get a chance to have a work environment where you get to express your love, your joy, your creativity as an educator and come express that in the classroom and experiment and try new things. And then when you see it, when you see students light up too, it's like a win-win situation. You're excited to be there because you're getting to be creative and express that joy and they're excited. And it's uh, and that's the win-win situation that we're hoping for with people that are trying to teach like a pirate strategies. Awesome. And I'm curious when you first decided you were going to do this and be excited about what you were teaching and try your strategies in a very challenging classroom, which I love that like those that student population has my heart like um and a lot of times like you say they all get put into the one classroom yay fun and and they really are they are some of the best i i have great experiences with all of those kiddos um so dave you have all these great ideas of how you're going to come in and you're going to make learning fun for this challenging group of students that you know, again, they are an amazing group and they can be some of the best students people will ever have an opportunity to work with. But in the beginning, when you decided I'm going to make learning fun, I'm going to enjoy doing it and the students are going to have fun doing it. What was it like? Was it just immediately successful? Can you talk to us about some of those experiences? Absolutely. 100% no. <laughs> so there were failures all over the place. And the truth of the matter is, is that the failures weren't just in year one. The failures were in year one, two, three, four, five, all the way up through year 17. I taught for 17 years. And even in the last year, there were still times where there was lessons that blew up on my face, things fall flat, uh, things that you thought were wonderful. And then you see them crash and burn and you have to adjust on the fly and come up with that impromptu solution to a problem lesson. Uh, and so that that's just the reality of teaching is that, um, you know, a lot of times people think that uh, when, like, like, especially new teachers, you talk to them, they say, oh, my God, I think I want to quit this career. Like, oh, and they, you find out what happened and maybe a lesson went bad or a couple kids were a behavior problem. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. If you make the, your rubric for success in education that you have to have 100 percent engagement for 100 percent of your kids on 100 percent of the days. You've just joined a career where you're going to have a lifetime of disappointment. That's never the way it works. This is about getting better. It's never about uh, reaching some level of perfection or anything like that. So I had a lot of um, uh, falls and problems and twists and turns all throughout the whole course of my career. And that just is, I, I tell people, it's not failure, it's feedback. 
Everything that happens in a classroom, it's feedback. They're providing you the real-time gift of feedback to help you improve and hone your craft. And so you use that feedback to make shifts in course and adjustments in what you're doing. See, like pirates don't yell at the wind. Pirates don't curse the wind. Pirates read the wind. They shift their sails, they catch that wind, they go. And the wind of the classroom is that student response and feedback. We have to be willing to read that student response and feedback and shift what we're doing, shift our sails sometimes in order to catch it and to get to where we need to go. And so rather than seeing something that happens in the classroom and beating kids up about it or beating yourself up about it, you just see it as feedback and you move on and um, you, you, you have this amazing thing. And that's that they come back the next day and you make it right. You know, so when, when a teacher tries something new and it doesn't go, doesn't go well, it's okay. They're coming back the next day. You know, like if my heart surgeon or my brain surgeon experiment with my surgery, you know, I'm actually kind of upset about that. I would just <laughs> assume that they kind of stick with their programs that they know, right? But when, when as educators, when we try something new, it doesn't work out, um, you know, they're going to come back the next day and you can make a shift in course and adjustment and you make it work. And so um, you, you learn to see the, that failure as feedback and you realize that things are going to be uncomfortable sometimes when you try these strategies, they're going to be outside of your comfort zone, but all progress is found outside of your comfort zone. And so if you're never uncomfortable as an educator, then you're not growing. And so that's the kind of mindset that we try to develop with Teach Like a Pirate. I love that. I love that. And I really, really appreciate that you express that you had these challenges throughout your entirety of teaching. There was no like, ah, I got it. We're done. Let's bottle it and do this like all the time. And I think that's just because our kids are, you know, like day to day, we literally don't know what they're bringing to us in the classroom. But I like the idea of the feedback. That's beautiful. Um, when you first started doing this and you, you were gauging your students and seeing their interest or their not interest in some days, or, you know, this worked really well, or this was a flop, like, and then you would come back, like, because some of those days where it just doesn't work out and we have to go back, you know, and um, whether it's, we just try something completely new or whether we have to admit, you know, this just really didn't work. And we have to be very humble in front of our students. How did your students react to this? Because this is, this is innovative still like teachers, struggle I feel like to embrace this idea because it is it's hard it's humbling and you know it's definitely out of your comfort zone like you say so how did your yeah. students react yeah so students respect that students respect that authenticity and um I'll tell you what no one is a better bs detector than a student ah true and if you think that you're going to go in there and just pretend like you know it all and that everything is wonderful all the time and that you don't make mistakes or that you're not growing and learning with them at the same time and from them at the same time, then you're going to get eaten up as an educator because they have the greatest BS detectors in the world. And so it's that authenticity that you have as an educator that they respect the fact that like, oh, you know what? Um, uh, that, that was a total, Mr. Burns' lesson was a total flop today. He knows that and he's going to make shifts and adjusts. And, that, and that's the kind of mindset that we want to encourage with them. And so it's beautiful to model that for them. Like we talk to kids all the time about having a growth mindset, right? Yeah. Like a kid comes up and says like, I'm not good at math. 
we don't say like, oh yeah, too bad, you'll never be good with numbers. We say, wait, whoa, whoa, you're not good at math yet. And then we work with them, right? Right. And or if a kid came up to us and said, hey, you know what? I don't feel comfortable speaking in front of the class. We would never say, oh yeah, no, that's totally a thing. Just go sit quiet in the corner all year. Of course not. We would work with them and build their confidence. We would give them closer and closer approximations of what we want them to build ultimately accomplish and develop that skill set. And, and eventually get them to where we want them to be. And so, but as educators, so if we think that students should have a growth mindset, as educators, we have to put that same sort of uh, focus on ourselves as well and realize that we have to have a growth mindset too and, uh, and try new things and be willing to fail and be willing to not be good at something. That's one of the toughest things in the world is to do something when you know, anytime you start something new, you're not gonna be good at it. And so starting new things requires you to have the ability to go through sometimes where you know that you're going to have some struggles and troubles and but that's all just part of the uh you know the, the growth process i love that and i think that was probably one of the hardest things for me as an educator was to accept that it's not going to be perfect all the time i tried i tried or, really, really hard or ever not, ever, ever, not ever, all yeah. the time it's never going to be perfect right? <laughs> and so that's like a really tough thing and that's um you know, and for example, new teachers, new teachers think it's them. New teachers, oh, think yes. it, they think it's, that it's something that they're doing wrong, that they're like, oh, I'm not cut out for this, right? But, and this is why I'm always, when I talk to new teachers, I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> when things go wrong in the classroom, it's, it's not necessarily you. It's that this stuff is hard. That's mm -hmm. why it's, that's why it's going wrong. And it's going to be hard until you close the door and lock it for the last time in your career. And, but that's what makes this so interesting and so fun is that it is hard. If it were, you know, if it were easy, it wouldn't be so interesting. Nice. I like that. And I really appreciate that you speak to new teachers. Like they definitely have my heart too, because, you know, the longer that we do it, the more experience we gain. And then there's always the, oh man, if I would have known this like years ago, you know, and so getting the opportunity to share that wisdom with our up and coming teachers is like always awesome and exciting. And it's like, oh, I hope you take this, like, just take this nugget of wisdom and run with it. Um, so I really appreciate you taking a minute to to say something of encouragement to them because that's truth and i love our new educators they're awesome like absolutely so can you talk to us a little bit about when you decided to start like because now you have this you know your your publishing company and you have your books with teach like a pirate and lead like a pirate like when did you start deciding to share some of these strategies that you were doing in the classroom and making this fun with like some of our most challenging population of kiddos so it became it, it happened way before the book <laughs> so uh people will often say to me like hey i want to write a book and then go and do workshops for teachers and share my ideas from my book right and i always tell them no no no, no that's backwards <laughs> go i want you should go speak and go give workshops and professional development and then you should write your book because then you have a chance to hone and craft your message in front of a real and authentic audience. And you get a chance to see what resonates and what doesn't resonate and what you need to flesh out and what you need to put more of in. And you know, you'll be speaking in front of a group of educators and you'll see what makes them light up. You'll see what picture, you know, what slide they take a picture of. You'll see what questions they have after you're done talking and what hit them the hardest. You look at your social media feed and you see what resonated with people that were sitting in your presentation and all 
all that stuff is going to help you write a more a, a better book. And so I spoke for years and years before I wrote Teach Like a Pirate. And I was doing when I first started, I just submitted uh, conference proposals like all over the nation. And if any conference said that, yeah, you can come do your pirate thing here. I got a plane ticket, a hotel room. I went and I did my thing. And so it was, I just wanted to get this message in front of as many people as I possibly could. And when I saw that it was resonating, when I saw that it was taking off, uh, that's when eventually I knew that I needed to craft it into a book. But for sure, it started not with a book. It started with, I, I spoke about Teach Like a Pirate for over five years before I wrote the book. And can I ask, just because I know, like, you're so well known, and, you know, like I said, like, I've been excited, and I've heard way more about you since I first got introduced to you at an ed camp, but what about teachers who just really feel like, I guess it's later been referred to as imposter syndrome, like these people who feel like, you know, when we're going to start trying to take these risks in the classroom, because that's it, it is a risk, it's either going to go great, or it's not. We don't know how it's going to go. We don't know the reactions. You know, we learn by doing. Um, but what about the teachers who are like, well, I don't know that I'm good enough or I'm qualified enough to be able to do this or to try this because I've never done it that way before. What what would you tell them? Yeah, so almost everyone that I've run into has something unique and special about the way that they teach that they could be sharing with other people. And there's a good chance that what you do in the classroom that you think is ordinary because you because I mean, you're, you're doing it all the time is actually extraordinary. And so there's uh, when you go like we started to go to conferences as participants, as attendees. Right. And uh, with some of my buddies that I was teaching with. And we would sit through these sessions. Some of them were great. Some of them were like, hey, we need to be presenting. Like, <laughs> right. This, if, this is what's, if this is what's being, you know, the sessions are like, like, um, like we need to be sharing our stuff. And so um, I think that people have this tendency to have blinders on and they think that either what they're doing is just very ordinary when it might be extraordinary or that everyone knows because they know it. They think that everyone else knows it, too. And it's just not the case. And when you get out there and see the bigger picture, you're like, you realize like, oh, there's actually a lot of people struggling. There's a lot of people who could benefit from what you already know and have successfully implemented in your classroom. And by the way, if you share it and they don't know it, then they're going to welcome it. Right. But even if they do know it. It just validates their practice. They don't go, oh, I already know that. They say like, oh, cool. They're doing what I'm doing. That's cool. I'm on the right yeah. track. And so that's what I tell people on social media. Don't be afraid that other people know what you're going to share. If they know it, then that's fantastic. You just validated their practice. There's a whole group of people who don't know it and are going to learn from it. And another whole group of people who are sitting on the fence. They're not sure whether they want to try this new innovative thing that they're hearing about. And seeing your success, you sharing your success with it might give them the courage they need that little push they need to make them and help them be more innovative and creative in their classroom and so it's all good in the long run um to you it, it's not egotistical it's not selfish when you are sharing what you're doing um it's uh you're helping move education forward i think that's awesome thank you for that tidbit of advice dave let's talk a little bit about the challenging times in education, because we know that there are those days and those months. Uh, for me, it's always usually around this time of year where it's like, oh my goodness, like there's no breaks in sight, we're standardized testing, and the pressure is just super on, which that part of 
teaching takes a lot of the fun out of it, in my opinion. But anyway, there's challenging times where we're just like boggled down with all the extra stuff that's not our why and our reason that we love coming to our jobs every day. And sometimes we get kind of lost in that. So when that happens, and I'm sure that's happened to you like it has with pretty much every educator ever, um, what are some ways that you kind of recenter and refocus on this is my purpose, this is why I'm here, this is why I love what I do? Yeah, and so for what I did is I took passion. People always tell you to be passionate. You usually need to bring passion into your work. Great beat. Uh, you know, if you can't find passion for your work, then by God, find new work. And they get all, you know, they get all excited and pumped up. And then they say, okay, bye. Thank you. And they never talk about how to be more passionate right. and how to find that passion on days where you might have it. And I call that the deep, dark secret of education. The deep, dark secret of education is that even though we know that we're supposed to be passionate, we are not passionate about everything that we teach. Right. And we're not passionate about everything that's a part of our job and a part of what we have to do in the classroom. And so how do you find passion even on those days? And so that's why what I did with Teach Like a Pirate is I broke passion into three categories. And so one of those categories is your content passion. That is your grade level curriculum, your subject, whatever like that. And hopefully there's some part of that that you're passionate about. But that doesn't have to be all of it. There's two other categories. And the second category are your professional passions. What is it completely outside of your content? that you're passionate about, about being an educator. And if you think about it, these are probably the reasons why you got into this business to begin with. Most people don't get into education because of their content passion. They get into education because of the difference in the lives of students that they wanna make, right? And exactly. they have some sort of larger vision of what they see in the role of a teacher, of an educator. And so that second category of passion is where you can really bring that focus. So even on those days where you're not hitting in that content passion, you're teaching something that maybe you're not that interested in or don't really, you know, it's not, it's just not your thing. Maybe Maybe right. on those days where you're struggling and there's an outside pressure and all these other stuff, you can still focus in on those professional passion reasons for what you do. And then, by the way, there's a third category, too, and that's your personal passions. What is it completely outside of education that you're passionate about? And so and how can you draw some of that? into what you do as an educator. And so that's a big part of Teach Like a Pirate is adding some of your personal passions into what you do in the, in the classroom as well. And what I always tell educators is what is unique about you, your particular strengths and talents, your voice that you add to your classroom is what's gonna make you most powerful and effective with students. And so that's where um, like it, we're, we're at work too high of a percentage of our lives to unplug ourselves when we walk into the doors of the building. So I'm trying to bring more of myself into what I'm doing in the classroom. And so when you start to combine all three areas of those passions together, um, that's how you become uncompromising and relentless and you're able to sail over those obstacles that a lot of other teachers crash into and burn out. Um, but you will be fine because you have all these different things that you can tap into to get you excited to come to school in the morning. Exactly. And I think, too it's really exciting when you start to just be open and share that part of you at school like one the kids love it you know this year I have an anime theme in my classroom they come in and <laughs> they see all these little anime characters like all around the room and we have so many anime conversations and today one of my kiddos that swore at the beginning I don't like anime and then there he was talking about hey isn't this such and such character and I'm like oh I thought you didn't like it <laughs> like you know and it's yeah. just it's fun and the kids yeah. like it and they get to ask questions and then they start sharing about them too like you know it's the yeah. being human part of education 
Absolutely. That's all relationship building, rapport building, and all that stuff that they're drawing, they're making stronger connections with you as a human being. And then um, it's all going to tie into having a more successful classroom. Love it. Love it. Love it. And then do you have advice outside of what you've already shared? Because I think that your advice for how you've reconnected is definitely applicable for everybody. Is that what you would continue to encourage them to do is tap into those three passions? Or do you have additional advice as well for them when they are feeling burnout? Yeah, so not only those three categories of passion, but then also it's, um, so th there's, a, there's something I talk about sometimes. I say, we work in a job where we can never be done. Right. Um, that's very dangerous. Teaching is a job where you can never be done. When have you ever heard a teacher say, oh, actually, I've got everything all set for the next few weeks. It mm -hmm. never. There's always something more that you can do. And yes. we know how important what we do is. That's a dangerous combination because it makes us feel guilty at time that we spend outside of education. Mm -hmm. But every time I've honored my outside passions or been willing to develop new ones, it's always come back to inform my teaching. It's always made me a better teacher because it's given me creative ammunition and energy from outside of education to draw back into education. And so uh, like never feel guilty about that time that you spend exercising your uh, your passions and creating new and creating new passions. So it's all going to help you. And what I call it is having a how can I use that mindset? Always looking around the world and saying, how can I use that? Like what what am I into outside of school? How can I use it inside of school? What are kids into outside of school? How can I use it inside of school? What's going on in current events right now? Mm -hmm. How can I tie that into what's happening in the classroom to to make it more relevant for students? What are what's on what's going on in the pop culture scene that all my kids are following? Is there any way I can incorporate that into my classroom? What's the current app that they're all obsessed with. Can I use that? Right. I'm always looking around the world and saying, how can I use that? And Teach Like a Pirate is actually a really strange book in one in one way, maybe many ways, but one way in particular. There's not one education book referenced inside of it, not a single one. Now, it's not because I don't like education books. I've, I just I've told you I published over 150. It's because that's not where it came from. It was from the outside drawn in. It was my background as a coach, my background as a magician, my background as an MC, my background as a marketer and entrepreneur, like all these different things from outside of education impacted and influenced my teaching style and what I do in the classroom. And that'll be the same for other educators too. It's if they if they're willing to take so so then now you realize that when you go home on the weekend, it's not just about spending all of your time preparing lesson plans. Actually, not only will you find it more fulfilling to do your outside passions and hobbies and unplug from education for a while, but in the long run, it's gonna help you anyway because you're gonna be able to draw some of that stuff back in. And so like you mentioned the anime. So um, like you've drawn anime into your classroom. Well, the time that you've spent with anime outside of education now is helping you build stronger relationships with kids in class. And so it's a win, it's a, it's a win-win when we are allow ourselves to have these outside interests and hobbies and all that stuff and to allow ourselves, it's kind of like that SEL focus, that social emotional learning focus that we want to have with students. We have to have it with our colleagues and ourselves as well and realize that it's okay to unplug from education and to take care of ourselves and have that intentional self-care and uh, get involved in other pursuits. Yes, and I think that's, at least for me, speaking for myself, and I'm 14 years in, it probably took me a good nine before I was able to accept that, like, 
oh, I, I need to have a boundary where I'm just going to stop for a little bit and not be thinking about what's what else can I do? What else can I do? And it really has made a difference. And, you know, I've had gasp some weekends where I'm just like, I'm not touching a thing because I know when it comes to Monday, my kids will be there. My curriculum will be there. My lessons will be there, you know but I'm coming in fresh and I'm coming yeah. in excited and, and refreshed and, you know, with a smile on my face and like, I'm not exhausted or like, you know, feeling like I've been just spending all my time working, but that was really hard to figure out that it's okay to do. Yeah. Um, made a life changing. And, <laughs> and, and never more important than right now. Definitely. <laughs> never. It's always important, but never more important than right now with everything that educators are going through. And so, um, you know, taking care of yourself and your colleagues uh, is, is, is essential and it's ultimately good for students and kids too. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Well, Dave, I would like to give you an opportunity to shout out somebody who's been really epic in your life and kind of helped you become who you are. And who would you like to shout out tonight? Uh, I am going to shout out one of my DBC Inc. teammates, um, Tara Martin. So Tara Martin, I work with very closely on uh, social media things and marketing and public relations and all that kind of stuff like that. And she's the author of Be Real and Cannonball In, two books from uh, that we published. And um, so I always am inspired and uplifted getting a chance to work with her every week. And so... Um, I love this. I love watching her rise in the educational world and helping to be a part of that. And so I'm going to shout, shout out my fellow TBC Inc. teammate, Tara Martin. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll be sure to definitely send her this episode so she gets to hear her shout out. And then Dave, like your brand is awesome. Your ideas are awesome. You've got so many gems of wisdom in here and that I can't wait to share with our listeners. If our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what is the easiest way they can do that? Okay, so I'm on Twitter at, at Burgess Dave. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave on Twitter. I'm there all the time. If you are an Instagram person, you can find me at DBC underscore INC on Instagram. There you will also have to put up with some running and fitness posts and stuff like that, but also <laughs> education, also education. And um, I'm at DaveBurgess.com, DaveBurgessConsulting.com. And I have a podcast the Dave Burgess show. I love that. I love that. And, and like you said, I mean, it's not all just about the education. So I love that you have, you know, the other parts of you as well. So it's not have to put up with it. It's like, Hey, I'm living what I preach. So exactly. that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been so incredible having you as a guest. And I'm very excited to get this out to our listeners and share with them. I know I feel very encouraged and excited and just reinforcing. Yes, we're doing the right work in the classrooms. And it was really exciting to get to hear some of your story and how Teach Like a Pirate came to be. So just thank you so much for taking time to share tonight. It was my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for taking the time to put your work out into the world. Thank you. You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information, 
or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at aheart4teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.